When I was in my um, teens and 20s, um, I went to Canada a number of times and traveled through the Rocky Mountains um, and visited some of the most stunning scenery on Earth. I don't know if any of you have kind of been to the Rockies or mountains. I mean, we went to the Highlands last year, and the Highlands are stunning. Uh, but going through uh, the Rockies was amazing, and it's one of those things I've always remembered. But one of the places we went to um, as, we tra as I traveled out there was the Redwood Forest. And um, redwoods are the world's tallest trees. They can grow over, over 300 feet tall. T they can be up to 25 feet in diameter. They can live for thousands of years. They are tough, tough trees. They can withstand storms and fires and floods. Um, and uh, yet, yet in all of that, they continue to stand strong. And uh, you would think that something so huge, something so tall, something so heavy would have incredibly deep roots, but they don't. Redwoods have really shallow roots compared to their size, and their roots apparently only go down about 10 feet into the ground, yet these huge trees rarely fall over. How can something that can weigh up to 500 tons, it can stand 300 feet tall, and can live for centuries, remain standing with such shallow roots. Well, in the 1800s, the Victorians bought back redwoods to the UK from Canada, and they started to plant them individually across the country. And what they found was that when the winds came, the rains came, the storms came, these trees would fall over. They realized that their roots were not particularly deep. However, they discovered that when they planted these trees in a family, when they planted them together, they survived the storms. And they discovered that there was something powerful that held them up. And that was each other. That was each other. And as they studied these trees, they had this discovery that these trees had an amazing root system under the ground, and literally their roots would intertwine with one another and would literally hold each other up, spreading out hundreds and hundreds of feet. And they even discovered that when one tree was deficient in nutrients, the other trees would send out the nutrients to these, to these, these trees that, were, that were, were lacking and gave them the nutrients that they needed. And this is such a powerful image and picture of the church. We are family. We are a community. And when we stand close to one another, when we grow together, when we love one another, when we hold one another up through the journeys of life, in the times of joy like today as we celebrate these children, but also during the hard times when the storm come, when life just tries to knock us down, we stand together. Committed community is part of our DNA as a church. And in a while, we are going to give thanks for these children. And I'm going to ask us as a church family this question. Will you do all you can to help and support these families? And we will respond together with the help of God, we will. So as we give thanks for these children...
We are doing it in the context of church family. We're doing it in the context of a committed community who loves one another, who supports one another, and together we will be committing to supporting these families as they raise these children. Our world is troubled at the moment. We're seeing wars in Russia and Ukraine and in Gaza and Israel, and we must continue to pray for peace in those places. And closer to home, life is unsettled. For many, life is tough. For many living in our country, but also in our local community. And I know for some of us in this church family here. And it's when we go through difficult circumstances, sometimes our natural response can be to run away, to withdraw, to build a wall around us, to push people away. And we stop showing up, we stop getting involved. And, and often our natural response is our worst response because you end up, we end up being isolated and on our own. When hard times hit, when God sometimes seems distant, when we question where is he, that's the moment to lean into your church family. That's the moment to allow those around you who may be standing strong in this moment help keep you standing, help, um, help you through the season that you might be going through when you're being buffeted by the storms of life. And this is where I wanna focus today. We, the church, we, the family of Soul Survivor Watford, this is our call to action, to be looking out for one another, to be serving one another, to be supporting one another, and to stand strong for those around us and for the community of Watford in which God has placed us. That's the power of community, and that's what God calls us to do. So why is community important? Why should we do this? Well, simply put, Jesus commands it. And in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. So firstly, Jesus commands us to love God as our number one priority. And secondly, he commands us to love those that he's put around us. Now, we all know you can't choose your family, can you? Who wish they could choose that? In fact, don't put your hands up. That'd be bad. You might be sitting with someone who's your family. But um, church is a little bit like a family, isn't it? And um, I don't know about you, but I always smile at God's sense of humor when it comes to the church. Uh, because if you look around this room, his vehicle, his solution for showing love to the world involves all of us, you and me. We are the church. And he chooses to throw together an incredibly eclectic bunch of people who are incredibly different, who come from different backgrounds, who do different jobs, have different interests, different ages, different gifts. And yet there's an expectation that we all get on together and we love one another. But what brings us together is our love for him. And if we love him, then we are commanded and compelled to love one another, even when it's hard to do that. But that's what he commands us to do. We don't have a choice. We can't choose to love God and not our neighbor. It's, it's a package deal. The two 
come together. And he calls us to love the world he's put us in. And that does mean loving the people you like and also loving the people you like a little bit less, who maybe irritate you, who maybe wind you up. That means loving the people who are going through a difficult season in their life and just need your love and your time. That means loving the church family that he's placed you in. That means practically serving and sacrificing time to help out the family that he's placed you in. And uh, this morning, we've just talked a little bit about serving on the kids team. And what a wonderful gift that we have to be able to serve and love the children in this church next door. What a wonderful gift to be able to give to other parents in this church to go and look after and serve their children while they get a bit of space to be able to come in here and worship together. And this is such a practical way of being a redwood tree standing in the forest of Soul Survivor Watford, helping others to stand strong, to grow, and to flourish. So we're to love God and love others. In Galatians 6, Paul writes this to the church in Galatia, and he says this, carry or share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you, think, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Paul gets pretty blunt at times, doesn't he? <laughs> and particularly that line, he says, if you think you are too important to help someone who's in need, you're only deceiving yourself. You are not that important. Ouch. This is the word of the Lord. There we are. Um, but, what Paul is, but what Paul is saying here is that when we carry or share one another's burdens, when we serve one another, we fulfill what Jesus has commanded us to do. And that is we live out our highest calling, and that is to love God, to love others. And when we do this, when we support one another, when we carry each other through the journey of life, whatever that may bring, we grow. And what do we grow in? We will grow in joy. There's a joy in serving. We will grow in humility. When we serve others, it's humbling. And we will grow, most importantly, in our love for God and our love for others and the mission that he has called us to. And I honestly believe this. We will grow as a church as we all begin to serve one another more, as we begin to get more and more involved in the church family, serving one another, loving one another, joining a team, serving the kids serving on the traffic team, helping people to park on a Sunday morning, serving in Alpha, whatever it is, the more we do, not only will we grow as a church and flourish, but we will be a community, we will be a family that people will want to join, who will want to be a part of us. And as they do, they will meet Jesus. And I truly believe this, as we join in, we will flourish too. Community, supporting one another, serving one another is intrinsically linked to joy, fulfillment, and belonging. So how do we do this? 
How do we practically serve one another? How do we carry each other's burdens and grow in community? And uh, I've never done a free P sermon before, but this morning you have a free P sermon. Point one, be prayerful. And uh, I don't know about you, but life is exceptionally fast and busy. Who finds that the weeks just go past like at just lightning pace and you can't believe that Monday has arrived again as a few of us. And um, how often does the speed and the pace of life just stop us from seeing what's going on among, uh, around us? What, how often does it stop us from seeing those around us? Um, I very, 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 very occasionally speed. Very, very, very occasionally. And uh, I have a confession to make to you all this morning. On the 24th of September this year, a photograph was taken of me. <laughs> driving at 59 miles per hour in a 50 zone on the M25. I am sure the gantry sign changed as I went through it. I saw the flash go up. And you know when the flash goes up, you just get that sinking feeling. And I, I just looked at Claire, I went, they got me. <laughs> and I felt sick in that moment. And uh, I, then, I then was beginning to think back and to the time that I occasionally, 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 occasionally sped once before. And I worked out, it was definitely over three years ago, and so I prayed very hard that the letter I would receive would give me the choice. Three points or a humiliating three-hour speed awareness course. I am taking my consequence and I'm going on my course in two weeks' time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now, I know occasionally I do drive too fast. And uh, we have driven down to um, Italy a couple of times. And I just like to get there. And so we, we fly through France and then through the mountains and stuff. And occasionally the kids would, would shout out, hey, look at that, look at that. And I'll go, what, what, what? And because we're going so fast, I've missed it. I've missed the beauty of the mountains or something that the kids had spotted on the side of the road. And the problem is I'm driving so fast that I miss the beauty that's around me in the moments of speed and hurry. I miss the moment. I've been so busy trying to get to my destination that I miss what's going on around me on the way there. And the point is this, often we are going through life at such pace, we're constantly rushing, we're constantly busy, that we miss out on what's going on around us. And we not only miss the good stuff, but we also miss the needs of the people around us. We miss maybe the person who's struggling. We miss maybe the person who's not been at church for a few weeks or not a connect group. Maybe they're struggling with anxiety at the moment. Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe there's something going on with their health. And so they haven't been here and we miss them. Or we miss the opportunity or the need to serve just because we've been so busy and so distracted with everything else that's going on in our lives. When we slow down, we begin to see things. And prayer is a great way to slow down. 
And I'm unapologetically talking about prayer again this morning because I think it's so key for us as a church, as a community, that we pray more. And um, what does prayer do? The very nature of prayer causes us to take moments with Jesus, to press the pause button, to stop, to listen, and to be still. Prayer immediately points our focus upwards, points our focus and our attention to Jesus. Prayer immediately takes us from being merely aware of ourselves to being aware of what God, the giver of life, might have for you, and then what he might want to do through you. And um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can have a habit of going to, the, you know, going to the Lord and saying, God, I'm not sure that you've seen this need. I'm not sure you've seen this person. Um, would you please, please, please help them? Please, please, please help them. But actually, it's only when we stop and listen and we give opportunity for God to speak that he might actually be saying, hey, Johnny, I don't think you've noticed that person. I don't think you've noticed that need. What do you think you could do about it rather than just telling me about it? And a little news flash for us all today. You might just be who God wants to use. You might be the person that he's prompting to serve because all too often we can go to the Lord with our list of requests, but we don't let him speak because we're so busy talking at him. Be still and listen. So this week, slow down, be prayerful. Ask him to speak. Ask him to open your eyes to show him the needs of those around you. Ask him how you might be able to serve and to give in this place. The second P is be present. And back in Galatians, Paul says, share or carry each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And I love that the very nature of what we're being told here is physical. Those two words, demand and action, share, carry, they are, they are words of action, and they require our presence. They compel us to do something. And... Um, in John 20, just after Jesus has risen from the dead, um, the disciples, they're understandably confused, they're pretty traumatized, um, they're heavy burden because they've just seen their friend die. And then there's this confusion on the morning of the resurrection that the tomb is empty, but none of them have seen them. And then Mary says to them, I've seen the Lord. And uh, in this moment of confusion, the disciples could have done a couple of things. They could have just run off in different directions and tried to figure out how do I process all that's going on myself. But actually what they chose to do in that moment was to gather together in community. They came together. And who came and stood in the middle of them as they gathered together? Jesus. As they gathered together in community, Jesus stood among them. And what did he say to them? Peace be with you. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. When we gather together, Jesus stands among us and we know his peace. 
The disciples chose community in a difficult moment. They chose unity. They chose to lean in together. And they chose to share their burdens. And as they did, Jesus stood among them. Presence and proximity are powerful. Our togetherness brings peace. Be present. Thirdly, be practical. And this is literally what it says on the tin. Being part of a community means rolling up our sleeves and pitching in and getting involved. How can I serve in this community? Where does it need my help? If you're part of a family, you get stuck in. My kids, they help clear up. They empty the dishwasher. They load the dishwasher. They hoover. They clean the bathroom. They get stuck in because they're part of the family. And that's the same for us in this place. Let's get involved. We're a family. If you spot someone in need or God places a situation or a person on your heart, ask the Lord, how can I help this person? How can I serve this person? And um, we get a great example of this in Exodus 17. And um, Moses is in a battle. And God says to him, go up the hill. And when you're on top of the hill, hold up your staff above the battle. And as he held up his staff, they were winning. But as his arms grew tired and the staff began to come down, they began to lose the battle. And so what happened? As his arms grew tired and he couldn't hold them up any longer, two friends came alongside him and they helped him hold up his staff. And this is what it says in Exodus 17. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. They won the battle. And this is such a beautiful picture of community. This is such a beautiful picture of being a family. This is how we carry one another's burdens. This is how we support one another in a battle. When someone is weary from the fight, we get alongside them and we hold up their arms so they can keep going. And there's a real honor and a real privilege in being able to be the one who supports and holds up someone else, to be the one who lifts up their arms so that they can keep going. And all too often, that isn't a trait of our culture. All too often, it's about us rather than others. I love the family meal boxes that we give away every half term. It's such a practical way for us to serve and to love those, both in our church, but also our local community that receive those boxes. And we get this amazing privilege to serve, to practically serve, and to metaphorically hold up the arms of those people who receive those boxes. We're able to carry them when they go through a season of life that they just need someone to come alongside and hold up their arms. We're able to do that. When we take time for others as individuals and as a church, and we help out in practical ways, it communicates that we're with you. It communicates you're not on your own. It communicates you've got a community that wants to get around you and support you and love you in the season of life when it's tough. It's a moment 
to help others carry their burdens. When we roll up our sleeves and we practically serve each other in this, in this community, when we join a team or when we give, it demonstrates I'm in. I want to be part of this family. I want to be part of this community. I want to serve those around me who I'm standing with and I want to play my part and I'm going to lean in both in the highs and the lows of whatever we may face on the journey together. So as we do more of this, we will grow in community together. We will grow in our love for one another and we will begin to prepare the ground even more for those who don't know Jesus yet to come into this place. In John 13, Jesus said this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The more we love and serve, the more Watford will see the love that we have for one another and the care that we have both for people inside this church but also outside in the community. And the more we do that, the more folk will be drawn in by the love of Jesus that they see in this place. Let's be a community of Redwoods standing strong, holding one another up, watching out, supporting those who are in need and serving one another. And it's important to remind ourselves that we don't do this alone. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Knowing this is fundamental to being church. There is one person who ultimately carries the burden of the whole world upon his shoulder. He carries the burden of, of this church upon his shoulders. And it's not you and it's not me, it's him. It's Jesus. And he tells us that when we're weary, when we're heavy laden, when we're struggling, we're to come to him for his burden is easy and his burden is light. And that doesn't mean that he gives us the easy jobs to carry, but he shares the burden with us. It's something that we carry together. As a community, we will never be perfect. Just look around. We will never be perfect because we're all in it. But as we go on this path of committed community together, as we continue to walk on, we can only walk on it for the long term when we understand and realize at the end of the day, we put our burden back on him and we say, God, you are in charge. God, you're in control. You are good. And we give him the burden to carry. So as we continue to show up, as we continue to gather, as we continue to pray, as we continue to be present, as we continue to look left and look right to those around us, as we continue to serve and be practical, then just like as when the disciples gathered together, Jesus will come and stand among us and we will know his peace and we will know his presence. Amen.